0: Hello, hola and Hi, I am your host Daniel Gubby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is the heavily anticipated UFC 269. We got Dustin Poirier versus Charles Oliveira. Amanda Nunez is fighting Juliana Pena. There are so many great fights on this pay-per-view. But of course, those of you who frequent the show know we will not be talking about that pay-per-view. No, 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 no. This is the prelim primer where we only break down the prelim portion of the card. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show and asking, why just the prelims? Why not talk about the big fights that everybody's excited about? The answer is really simple. The answer is we know a lot about those fighters on the main card, but we often don't know too much about the fighters on the prelims. Although that does change today. There are 10 fights today, and they are loaded with guys you've probably heard of before. But there's a lot of money to be won in the prelims, whether you're playing daily fantasy sports, gambling. Maybe you just want to win that pick'em contest. you got to know about your prelims. So we're here to give you that insight. Now, before we give you that insight, I do need to let you know that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by the All-Star app. These days, there are more previews, recaps, analysis, and podcasts than you can shake a stick at. It's all too much, and when you're looking to get that insight to give you an edge... It can be hard to block out all the noise from what really matters. And that's why you should download the All-Star app, because they provide you with expert commentary from some of the most respected names in the sports world, yours truly included, and all of that incredible content is packaged into an intuitive, fully interactive app right there in the palm of your hands for free. Plus, there's lots of other great features to the All-Star app that I'll be telling you about a little bit later on, but for right now, just go to the All-Star app at either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting the theallstar.io. Now, to break down these fights with me, I am joined by one of the most popular co-hosts of the Prelim Primer. From the Fixed Fights podcast with Kurt and Ben, I am talking about Kurt Chase Patrick. Kurt, thanks again for joining me.
1: Hey, man. It's always a pleasure. I love doing this. So thank you again for having
0: me. All right. And as you guys know, we start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Josh Emmett versus Dan Ige. So Emmett on a three-fight wing streak. He's been away for 18 months, but the last time we saw him, he had beaten Shane Burgos back in June of 2020. Ige, meanwhile, one in two in his last three. He got beat by Korean Zombie by decision back in June in a main event. So my question for you is about Josh Emmett. Obviously, he was like nipping at the heels of being a contender. What do you think about the long layoff? And especially with a knee injury in there, do you worry about how that affects his particular game
1: um honestly a, a, a little bit and he looked really good um you know obviously in that Shane Burgos fight uh, and then beating Mirsad Bektik and jo- uh, Michael Johnson prior to that you know he i mean dude he did a lot of damage to himself in that Shane Burgos fight but again he's been off for 18 months you know so I, i'm sure his body needed the rest I, I i'm excited to see him back i really am
0: yeah, and I'm really interested to see on how the wrestling plays into this, because he's not a guy who goes for a lot of wrestling, but he is a guy who comes from a wrestling background. And Ige, I, I feel like is leaned kind of on his wrestling, and when it doesn't work for him, he doesn't really get anywhere with, with his striking. And that's not to say, you know, that he can't get anywhere for his striking. We saw him knock somebody out absolutely cold in Gavin Tucker, but kind of got outstruck by two phenomenal strikers in Calvin Cater and Korean Zombie. So... I guess then the question just for you is, do you think Josh Emmett is closer to Gavin Tucker? Do you think he's closer to Korean Zombie? Or do you think it's not going to matter because Ige can starch him on the feet?
1: I would say he's probably closer to, to... Korean zombie. I I really do like Josh Emmett a lot. I think he is very good. And I do think Josh Emmett has the power advantage, especially like the one-strike power advantage in this fight. And again, like you said, Josh Emmett does come from a wrestling background. So I think in the scrambles, I think Josh Emmett will be able to dictate where the fight goes more than Danny Gay.
0: I agree entirely. Uh, So that brings us to our prediction. Who do you got in this one? How do you got him? Ugh,
1: dude, I haven't even looked at the odds for this one. This is a super close fight. I am leaning... Josh Emmett, but again, if Dan DeGay comes out and wins this fight, I would not be surprised. But I'm going to lean Josh Emmett by razor-thin decision.
0: I'm going to take Josh Emmett by KO, and you might be surprised to know that Josh Emmett is actually a negative 220 favorite, which I I thought was pretty wild because I have this That's wild. Yeah, I have this fight razor close as well, but I am still picking Josh Emmett, nevertheless. And that brings us to our next fight, which is Dominic Cruz versus Pedro Munoz. The former champion, Cruz, snapped the two-fight losing streak against Casey Kenny by split decision back in March. Munoz, meanwhile, won and two in his last three, coming off a loss to Jose Aldo in August. So my question for you is that, you know, Dominic Cruz, the Neo footwork, everything that people talk about with him, it is still kind of there and kind of was there against Casey Kenny. Is it enough there to get by a guy, though, like Pedro Munoz?
1: I do. I I think it is. And again, you know, Dominic Cruz is probably at the tail end of his career, right? His reflexes are are not as good as they used to be. But I feel like Pedro Munoz, even though he's lost what two of his last three, and he lost against Jose Aldo in his last one, I feel like he excels in fights where guys are going to stand there and trade and bang with him. And I just don't think Dominic Cruz is gonna be that guy. I think Cruz is gonna to have to stay on his bike. I think he's gonna to have to frustrate Pedro Munoz with his with his reins, with his speed, with his footwork. Um, because obviously if he does get into a, a striking a straight like dogfight striking battle, I think that favors Pedro Munoz. But I think Dominic Cruz is still going to be able to put on the work, maybe not prime Dominic Cruz, but I still think he's got that in him.
0: Yeah, I I still think he's got the movement. I still think he's got the footwork. But, like you said, I'm a little worried about the reaction time. The reaction time is what makes that, all of that, you know, funky ass movement work so well. So, if that's starting to lose a step or two, obviously it was good enough to get by Casey Kenny, although by split decision. Pedro Munoz, I see as a step up from there. Again, you're right. Maybe Pedro Munoz doesn't excel against somebody who tries to keep him at range and tries to make him work for every single punch he throws. So uh, I guess we're at that point where we got to predict uh, who you got in this one. How do you got him? Don't forget, and and again, maybe in his prime, and he's not there
1: right now. But Dominic Cruz has some of the best transitional wrestling I've ever seen in MMA. I'm going Dominic Cruz by decision. I think he's going to be able to to stay on the outside, use his movement just enough to squeak by with a decision. All
0: right, and I'm going to go with Pedro Munoz. I I think he is kind of surpassed Dominic Cruz, and the tail end of Dominic Cruz isn't going to be enough – but I'm really glad you brought up the wrestling because I actually would love to see Dominic Cruz try to wrestle here and watch Pedro Munoz just throw, try to throw up guillotine after guillotine after guillotine. Because I yeah,
1: I mean that that is the risk. Of it would be
0: way more. It would be way more of a fun fight too than what this striking match will probably turn out to be. Um, but a striking match that will be exciting is Augusto Sakai versus Tai Tuivasa. Sakai has lost two straight by knockout to Yair Rosa Strike and Alistair Overeem. Vasa, meanwhile, has won three straight by knockout. Uh, Stefan Struve, Harry Hunsucker, and Greg Hardy, Hardy being back in July. So, I I feel like we can kind of keep this one short. Is this a setup fight to get another Shui out of Tai Tuivasa? Like, they they found him a guy who's been knocked out two in a row. I gotta think so,
1: man. (laughs) It's one of the funnest guys not even you know he's he's fun in the cage he's fun out of the cage love seeing him do shoeies yeah I think Ty I think this is a, a perfect fight for Ty to E I think he does get um Augusto Sakai out of there uh before the final bout rings
0: yeah I and I'm I'm gonna agree with you here I don't think we need to make this one too long Sakai I think we we bumped him way up because of those early wins over Chase Sherman and and Andre Orlovsky. But ultimately, I think we saw what he is in the last couple of fights, which is a guy who, when he faces power punchers, gets hit and is out. Um, And guess what? Tai Tui hits really freaking hard. So I'm going to agree with you on that one. I'm going to say he gets him out of there with a knockout. I'll say, I'm going to say first round. I say he gets it done early. And I think
1: he gets it done early as well.
0: Yeah, and that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We'll take a quick break, and we will be right back with round number two. All right, guys, one of my favorite features of the All-Star app, it's got to be the player bios. Say you're looking to do a little research on an upcoming fight between Kaikara France and Cody Garbrandt. Well, you can just click on that fight, which is super easy to find in their scores tab. And not only do you get when the fight is happening, but you also get the opening and current lines so that you can see where that line's moving, where the sharp money is coming in on. And you also get the opening and current lines for the totals, whether people are betting more on the over and under and it's more than just betting lines and how they're moving. They give you full records dating back to the fighters' debuts and so much more information. It's all right there in the All-Star app. So go download it in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting the AllStar.io. All right, and we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jordan Wright versus Bruno Silva. So Jordan Wright, 2-1 in the UFC, coming off a knockout win over Jamie Pickett back in May. Silva, meanwhile, 2-0 in the UFC. He knocked out Andrew Sanchez back in October. So these are two guys who love to swing it. They absolutely are filled with knockouts up and down the record. You got to imagine this one ends by knockout with neither guy looking to grapple, really. Who do you like better on the feet here?
1: This is a tough one, and I was surprised that um, um – I'm sorry. Jordan Wright was such a, a, a big favorite. I mean, I'm sorry. It was such a big underdog. He's like a minus – Bru- I'm all over the place. I'm sorry. Bruno Silva is a minus 370 favorite, which I thought was a little bit steep. Honestly, um, in the swing and the banging, I do like Bruno Silva. I do think he is a little bit more well, well-rounded than um, – Jordan Wright. uh, But again, you know, both guys are coming out there looking for the knockout. Anything can happen. But I do favor Bruno Silva. Ever so slightly.
0: Yeah, I I favor Bruno Silva a little bit more probably because while while I do think both can finish each other from range, I think the beautiful thing that Bruno Silva does is he likes to get you in the clinch where he throws knees, he works the body over, he he does like a single collar tie with uppercuts, whereas Jordan Wright is like spinny shit from a distance. Um, And while that worked against Jamie Pickett and it's worked in the past on the regional circuit and things like that, it's also, we've also seen it go very badly in the past too. Uh, we saw it go badly on the contender series, which didn't get him a contract. And then we saw it go bad in one of his previous UFC fights. So I, I'm not as sold on him, but I agree with you. I'm I'm going to take Silva here. I'll take it. Nah, I'll say I'll take a TKO, uh, in the second round. How about you?
1: I'm going to go first round. I think both these guys are kind of about looking for the finish. And I, again, I just think Bruno Silva, well, I wouldn't completely count out Jordan, Wright. I just think Bruno Silva is going to catch him some sort of wild exchange and put his lights out.
0: And another couple of guys who are going to be looking for finishes are Andre Muniz and Eric Anders. Muniz, 3-0 in the UFC. He also won on Contender Series twice, and he beat Jacare by submission last May. Eric Anders, meanwhile, is 1-1 in one no contest in his last three. He came off of beating Darren Stewart by decision back in June. So I got to ask, you know, just from the stylistic standpoint here, if Andre Muniz gets Eric Anders to the mat, even once is this a done deal
1: um you know what i i I, i've trained with a dude that actually trains with um eric Anders out in alabama and he doesn't you know he has a pretty solid ground game again like i don't know if muniz gets him out of their first takedown but i think the more he can get him down the more he can wear on him uh yeah, I, th- I think the finishes are going to come eventually. I just think Muniz is, is more well-rounded. But again, Eric Eric Anders does uh, slang and bang on the feet. So I think I, I think Eric Anders, I don't think, long way of saying, I don't think he's going to get subbed the first time he gets taken down. But, you know, the more he gets taken down, I think it's going to be there. On the feet, I do think Eric Anders is going to be in it, however.
0: Yeah, I, and I think he's in it no matter what. He's been in every fight he's ever fought in on the feet because he's dangerous and he's super athletic and his takedown defense isn't awful either. I will say that like I'm saying this from a perspective of, I think if Muniz gets him down, he's going to give him a lot of trouble, but at the same time, he's got to get him down and, and, that's, got, like, exactly. and that's a whole nother question in and it of itself. Like, can he get him down? Can he get him down more than once? Right? Like if he gets him down once, does he exhaust himself in doing that? Cause Eric Anders is crazy athletic. He's, you know, he's a D one football player for a national championship team. There's a reason why he could transition to another sport like he did. So yeah, it, it's a real weird, complex section of questions there, but we have to simplify it now and ask who do you have here and how do you have them?
1: Andre Minouis has lost four fights all by knockout. I'm taking Eric Anders by knockout in the third round. I think he weathers the storm. I think he he is going to be in some trouble on the mat, but I think he's going to find his way to the feet. I think he's going to find the chin. I think he's going to put his lights out.
0: And I'm going to go opposite on you in this one. I can't take a guy who subbed, or I can't not take a guy who subbed Jacare. I know, uh, I, I know. mean, dude, it is, it's is—it's both heartbreaking and, like, now you got to tip your hat to him until he loses. So uh, I'm going to take Andre Muniz. I'll take him by submission here. I say he gets him down a couple of times and eventually finishes him. And speaking of grappling, that brings us to a very exciting women's flyweight bout, which is between Aaron Blanchfield and Miranda Maverick. So Blanchfield won her debut over Sarah Alper back in September of, uh, yeah, just back in September of, actually, that's of 2020? No, that's of this year. Uh, and Miranda Maverick, meanwhile, snapped her two-fight winning streak with a split decision loss to Macy Barber back in July, of course. Uh, that was not a loss. I'm just going to go on record saying that ahead of time. She did not lose that fight. fight. We're all on the same page on this one. She didn't lose that fight. So my question here, I love both of these women's upcoming careers. I love where everything is going. I hate that they matched them up, but I love that we're going to get to see sort of this grappling chess match, which is kind of what I hope happens here. Whose grappling game here are you a bigger fan of against one another when you pit them together?
1: Yeah, it's t- it's tough man. This is uh it's one of those fights that you kind of love to see but you also don't because one of them has to lose. They're both great uh prospects. Dude, I fought on a grappling card with Miranda Maverick. Dude, she is she is a built built woman with phenomenal grappling. I do favor her grappling ever so slightly. I think her takedowns are going to be a little bit better. And I do think she is slightly more polished on the feet than Aaron Blanchfield. But man, Aaron Blansfield is a uber prospect. I mean, I guess they both are right. But, uh, I ever so slightly in favor Miranda Maverick in this one.
0: Yeah. It's weird talking about Miranda Maverick as she's like the Wiley veteran with more experience at like 24 years old. That's <laughs> uh, crazy. Yeah. It's insane. Uh, and I agree with your assessment here too. I, I think wrestling wise, advantage Maverick, uh, striking wise, advantage Maverick, Jiu-jitsu wise, I almost favor Blanchfield in that way. I think she's like sneakier with her submissions. Like we saw Miranda Maverick get a little bit tired and a little bit sloppy with her jiu-jitsu against Macy Barber, which I guess cost her that fight. Um, you know, Barber did have some good positions towards the end of that fight. And I also just like kind of like the sweeps from the bottom from Erin Blanchfield, which we saw. I mean, we see more in her like pure jiu competitions. Like if you saw her in EBI, she's got a little bit of that. So, yeah, like, I, I, I do see the advantage there for Maverick, and it just becomes the question of, like, can Blanchfield sweep and, and get better positions from there? And that's a hard question, too. So, uh, sounds like you're leading Maverick. How do you see her winning this one?
1: I am leading Maverick. I, I think she's going to win by decision. I think it's going to be really tough for either of these ladies to submit one another. I'm just hoping that it does hit the map, because I think the grappling exchanges will be very interesting. But, again, when you pit two excellent grapplers against each other, sometimes... It turns into an ugly striking match, and I do favor Miranda Maverick striking if it does happen that way.
0: That would be a colossal bummer if this doesn't hit the mat. But uh, if it does hit the mat, which I'm hoping it does, and I think it's going to, I'm actually going to take Aaron Blanchfield on this. I I like her jujitsu here. I think there's a chance she threatens with submissions. She tires uh, Maverick out a little bit. And I'm actually going to say she does get a late submission. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Blanchfield gets it done by submission. And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We will be right back with the last three fights. Actually, last four fights in the third round. All right, guys, one last thing that I really love about the All-Star app, and that is their news feed. If you're the type of person getting your sports news off of social media, stop doing that. And instead, start reading the All-Star app, because they use a proprietary algorithm that not only brings you the highest quality sports news but it's fully personalized, personalizable, man, I'm, I'm just going to make up words here, but the feed, you can personalize it so that you get only the sports news that you care about in one nice, neat little spot. So if that sounds like something that you'd be interested in, go on over, download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting the theallstar.io. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Alex Perez versus Matt Schnell. Perez lost his last fight, which was for the title against Davidson Figueredo in November of 2020. Matt Schnell, meanwhile, one and two in his last three. Last loss to Rogerio Bonterre in May. My question here, Alex Perez, really good wrestling, but he got caught last time out trying to use it. Matt Schnell loves to sub people off of his back. If you're in Alex Perez's corner, do you tell him to not even shoot in this fight?
1: you know what i i don't i i you know davison figueredo is a monster man i don't (laughs) think as good as matt is uh on the mat and he is very good i don't think he is on the level of davison figueredo and honestly i don't think he's on the level of alex perez i think this is a good fight for alex perez to get back on the winning track um i also favor alex perez on the feet so if he can blend the striking the striking with his wrestling um stay out of trouble on the mat tire Schnell out, work his ground and pound, I think this is his fight to lose.
0: I agree with you entirely. I I will say I'm taking Alex Perez here also by decision. I I would say this too, is that I think – Matt Schnell has been getting better on the feet and seems to like being on the feet. I actually think Alex Perez is, uh, his advantage is larger if he takes Matt Schnell down and holds him down. So yeah, I'm going to go, uh, with Alex Perez here by decision. And that brings us to another fun grappling match, which is Ryan Hall and Derek Minner. So Hall, uh, had a four foot winning streak. He lost by violent knockout to Aliyah Topuria by KO. Derek Minner, meanwhile, lost his two fight winning streak to Darren Elkins in his last fight. He got Elkins. That's what happened. Uh, and, uh, so my question here is that Derek Minner seems to be super confident in his grappling game. He seems to be a guy and he should be. He's got tons of submissions on his record. Do you think he's confident enough to engage with Ryan Hall on the mat? And if so, how does that go?
1: Absolutely not. Um, Derek Minner, great on the map, but dude, Ryan Hall is. It, I, I mean, again, you're you're a grappling guy. Ryan yeah, Hall is transcendent. <laughs> there is a move set based off of Ryan Hall's grappling. Fifty-fifty, uh, right? I mean, uh, he has revolutionized so many positions in grappling. I, I don't think Derek Minor would be smart to grapple. And this is this is one of the fights where Derek Minner is going to have an advantage on the feet. Now here's the thing, in Ryan Hall's last fight, we saw him, he kept trying for those weird, like, m rolls, and it was just not working. So if Ryan Hall is one note about how he gets this fight to the mats he could be in some sort of trouble, because again, Derek Minner, I think, is going to have a striking advantage over Ryan Hall, just like most people do. But, kind of like you said, Derek Minner is a grappler, so I do think, although it might not be wise, I do think... At times, he's going to go to the mat with Ryan Hall, and I think that is going to be very bad for him.
0: Yeah, I agree with you entirely. I, I think he's going to have that advantage on the feet, but he's going to see Ryan Hall flop to the ground. He's going to see an advantageous position. I think he's going to go for it, like anybody who has lots of confidence in their grappling game would. You know, like, despite the fact that Ryan Hall is highly touted, Derek Minner believes in his head that he's one of the best grapplers in that division, or maybe the best grappler in that division, And I just couldn't disagree with him more than I do right now. So uh, I'll spoil my pick here. I'm taking Ryan Hall by submission in one of those grappling exchanges. Uh, How about you? I'm taking Ryan Hall by
1: submission. I think he, he transitions to his back and chokes him out. But again, if Ryan Hall doesn't get crafty and creative with his takedowns and just goes one note, it could be bad for him. But yeah, I'm going Ryan Hall by submission as well.
0: All right, and that brings us to Randy Costa versus Tony Kelly. Randy Costa had lost his two fight winning streak in his last bout, which was a TKO loss to Adrian Yanez back in July, an absolute banger of a fight. Tony Kelly, meanwhile, 1 1 in the UFC. He beat Ali Al Casey back in October of 2020. He's been off since then, so over a year since we've seen Tony Kelly. My question for you is when we saw Tony Kelly against Al Casey and when we saw him against uh, Kai Kamaka he kind of got hit a lot. Um, he's a super durable guy, but my question for you is, is he durable enough to take the punches of Randy Costa or is he durable enough that maybe he just wears out Randy Costa?
1: I mean, dude, I saw Randy Costa on the uh, regional scene back in cage Mm Titans, and he has not changed much. I, I, I do think Tony Kelly is probably going to oblige that type of fight because that is the fight that Randy Costa is always going to fight. Um, And no, I don't. I think that Randy Costa, this is a good fight for him. I think he is going to get back on the winning track, and I think he does finish Tony Kelly in this one.
0: Yeah, and I I think he was probably like five seconds away from finishing Adrian Yanez, and if I think he's good enough to get Adrian Yanez out there, which I legitimately do think he was almost there... I think he's good enough to beat Tony Kelly, too. I also looked up how much time he has spent in the uh, in the cage when he's won fights. A grand total of five minutes and 42 seconds for all six of the wins on his record. So uh, given that fact, I say he gets him out of there in the first two because the dude absolutely slings bombs. Um, and that brings us to our very last fight, which is Jillian Robertson versus Priscilla Cachuera. Uh Robertson, two-fight losing streak. She's lost to Talia Santos and Miranda Maverick, both by decisions, with the latter of which being back in March. Cachoeira, meanwhile, two-fight winning streak. She beat Shannon Dobson and Gina Mazzani, both by knockout, the latter of which was in May. So my question is, we, we've got two streaks here. Robertson on the way down, Cachoeira on the way up. Does that alarm you in thinking about Jillian Robertson's path here? Or is that really all about the strength of the type of opponents they fought?
1: I think it's more strength of schedule, man. I'm still pretty high on Jillian Robertson. I I really do like her ground game. um, And I think she's going to have avenues to get this fight to the ground. I'm not totally sold on Priscilla Casuera. I mean, maybe if she goes out there and and the ref lets her be a warrior, she might win this fight. But (laughs) – I'm glad you got that one. Uh yeah, dude, I'm going I'm going Jillian Robertson here. I think she's just is is going to be able to get her to the ground, and I think on the mat, is not going to be able to keep up with the grappling of Robertson.
0: That's a legendary beatdown, by the way. Priscilla Cachuera takes one of the worst beatings next to uh, maybe Thomas Gifford in the history of MMA. Um, dude, it was bad, man. It was, it, was so, bad. it was so bad. And
1: then Yamasaki said, hey, what What an idiot. He's, I
0: don't he think he, he was so back proud back of that. Right? He was so proud of that decision. <laughs> I mean,
1: dude, I, I, I don't want to get too far off topic, but off the rip that matchmaking was just bad.
0: Yeah. And, what, and you they they knew what they were doing. They,
1: oh my god! Yeah, that is true. That is true.
0: But back to the, my my original point here, <laughs> Jillian Robertson. I agree with you. I'm high under grappling. Gina Mazzani took down Priscilla Conteweda four times. Um, and for me, that's alarming because Gina Mazzani, good wrestler. Gina Mazzani, very strong for 125 pounds. She's just not as crafty at takedowns as Jillian Robertson is. Right? Jillian Robertson, Dean Thomas trained. Looks like she's Dean Thomas trained. Still needs to polish up the feet before we can really call her a contender of any sort. But luckily for here, I don't think she winds up spending much time on the feet. So I'm going to take her. Uh, I'll say she submits Priscilla Cachoeira. I, I, I'll say it's probably late, but she gets her down enough and eventually works in one of those submissions. How about you? How do you see her win it?
1: I'm going to go submission as well. I think she actually gets a sub off her back. I think she gets like a triangle or like an arm bar. Maybe in a combo of both. I'm going to go second round.
0: I love it. And that's going to do it for the end of our third round. We gave you... 10 count of 10 prelims in just a little under 25 minutes. We hope you guys enjoyed it and learned something. Once again, you could follow Kurt on Twitter at KCPKO, and you can check out his podcast, the Fixed Fight Podcast with Kurt and Ben at Fixed Fights Pod on Twitter. Make sure you check both of those out. And Kurt, thanks again for joining me.
1: Always appreciate it, man. Can't wait to do it again.